That was me pouring a glass of wine because I want to cheers Ultra Lux Linens, the podcast sponsor. Jacqueline, Emily, the team of seamstresses who have supported the frontline workers and have been amazing to work with. I think that we should recap why you might want to work with Ultra Lux Linens. To start, they work with people all across Canada and the US. They also carry over 75 brands of fabric. 75 brands, peeps. I'm not convinced I even know 15 brands of fabric, which tells me I clearly need to be digging deeper when I'm visiting the showroom. They also carry wall coverings, rugs, hardware, sheets, towels, furniture, and yes, of course, there's the workroom. So if you're looking for a one-stop shop, visit ultraluxlinens.com or find them on Instagram at ultraluxlinens. Please be sure to tell them that I sent you. So yeah, I'm going to drink to that. Maybe you should do. Yay! Hi! <laughs> Recording, check. You did it! <laughs> you look so damn good. You are always bringing it, even on these Zooms. My God. Do I? Oh, yes. I appreciate that. Well, after this, I um, am going to be on a design panel for Hope Living Magazine. Okay, got so, it. Like a birthday panel? Yes. And then I'm going to my dad's 70th birthday party. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> it means we're calling it a birthday party, but it's just us standing six feet apart. <laughs> right. Awesome. I can't wait to hear how that goes. You're doing that tonight? Yeah. And then tomorrow we got a bit of a sesh. This is hey. not alcohol, but yeah, I'm very excited. No mm. judgment. It is a little cloudy. Gonna, though. Doesn't look like water. It's water with lemon because I can't just have water. I just like once you start having with lemon, and I normally drink Perrier, but I'm out of Perrier, so I just can't have normal water. It sucks. Okay, I, I don't want to. I don't want to waste your time. So I want us to get into the nitty gritties. All right, guys. I'm very very excited. Because I have been talking about this lovely lady for the last couple of podcasts that have gone live and in my Facebook group. I'm here with Katie Gutierrez from Biographical Design, from Arez Design, from the new group coaching that I'm working with. Hi, Katie. Hi, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for that awesome introduction. I am just, okay, first of all, I might have to close my window because there's hammering. Ugh. Hearing, there's a lot of hammering, a lot of like people cleaning their cars. I can hear people like vacuuming out their cars and stuff. Pretty intense around these parts. Anyway, um, all right, Katie. So I'm going to share with everybody how I found you and then what happened for people who haven't. And then I want you to tell us kind of your your story, your backstory. But Basically, for the people listening, you already know this because I think I did share this with you, but I don't know when it was. I don't even remember when I reached out to you, but around the time that I reached out to you, which I want to say is a couple of months ago now, a friend, designer friend of mine who I've never met, only met virtually, Canadian designer in uh, Kelowna, it doesn't matter, relevant, Chris Bid, uh posted in her Facebook group this uh I think it was an interview you guys did that was on YouTube and I, and she, I think she, yeah, she either DM'd it to me or I just, for whatever reason was like, I'm going to watch this. And I was like, Oh man, that is some cool stuff. You guys are talking about, you were talking about biographical, biographical design. And I was like, I need to have this girl. These, 
you and your husband, Ruben, your partner in life and in business. And I was like, I need to have these people on my podcast. So when I emailed you, you pretty much replied like super quickly and your energy was amazing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And then all of a sudden we rescheduled because you were doing a course. I attended the course. It was like the most mind blowing three days of life. And now here we are. Here we are. Isn't it beautiful? So tell everybody what your backstory is. Like, how did you get to design? How did you, like, what was the evolution to what you guys do, which is biographical design, which is what you're going to tell us about today? Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about this. It's something that I'm so passionate about. Um, So originally I started out in architecture and um, I had to take one elective in college and it could be, you know, anything from any discipline, wherever, whatever I wanted. And I chose architecture just kind of on a whim. I was studying journalism. I had a path and plan to be a journalist um, and just on a whim took an architecture elective for fun um, and walked out of that first day of class with this just all knowing from my bones, oh my gosh, this is what I meant to do. And, um, and from that day on, I mean, I graduated with my master's degree in architecture and I, and I, you know, just loved it ever since that first day of that first class. Um, is that where you met Ruben? It is. We met in drawing 101. Uh, I didn't know that. That's so awesome. So cute. Yeah. He, um, I can remember I first kind of noticed him because he would walk in with his smoothie from Smoothie King and he kind of had this like swagger to him and he would sit down all cool and put a smoothie on the desk, throw his car keys on the table. And he had a Jetta, which for me was so impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So did you make the move or did he? Oh my gosh. Um, we might have conflicting stories to answer that question, but... Um, well, yeah, we'll have to find out from him too, his version. <laughs> you might have to have him have a couple of drinks first and then we'll kind of share that. Yes, that exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, he, I, we, were ha- we had to draw a dashed line as part of like learning how to make lines and different types of lines. And um, I had to draw a dashed line and I was measuring each individual dash because I was I'm super type A like that. And he came over and he was like, you know, there's an easy way to do that. You just draw a line and then you put this eraser shield over it and you just like erase like where the negative spots are on the line. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I he's so it. smart. <laughs> <laughs> he is smooth. He so smooth and he's smooth. Yeah, I love it. That's so funny. Um, so okay, so yeah, so we follow with architecture and with yeah. Ruben. Yeah. So anyway, fast forward a few years, um, and I had we both had our first jobs in architecture, and we were building like big municipal buildings. Um, you know, working for universities. Ruben was doing medical laboratories for um, a big hospital here the kind where you have to like scan your eye and walk through air chambers in order to get into the laboratory part. So we were doing um, really big picture architecture projects and where that left us was feeling a little bit flat and empty in terms of the enrichment that a project could provide to us. Um, Because, you know, you spend like 10 hours designing this thing and I would spend, you know, four hours designing a roof detail and then present it to the client and they just really didn't care. My perception was that they just really didn't care. It's like the roof needs to not leak. Let's move on. You know, I don't care. I don't care what the flashing detail, how it wraps around the whatever. 
So um, it just left me a little bit craving that sort of human interaction and human connectivity and that human, you know, relationship with clients. And I learned through that, that really it's the relationship with the client that drives me and that gives me energy to do what I do because, you know, spending hours at the computer or hours designing things. And, you know, it takes a lot of, um, you know, when you read a book, for example, you read a book and it's like input and you're learning and you're absorbing inward. Yeah. Designing is a lot of outward. It's a lot of like your heart out on the table. Yeah. And what I found was that when my heart was out on the table, it was so important to me that the human on the other side of the proverbial table had a connection with me if I was going to share my heart in this way. So in the architecture world, I felt like that was a little flat, at least in the job um, that I was working in. Mm-hmm. So I remember Ruben and I were sitting on our balcony and, um, and we were sitting there thinking, how do we make what we do more personal? How do, how do we translate what we do to feel more like connecting with the end user, which we weren't feeling in the architecture side. And then we both just, you know, had this lightning bolt moment where we felt like we want to do interiors. And Ruben had a stint working with an interior designer who's pretty famous in her own right. Um, and we just had our eyes open to this world of working with the end user and the things that they touch and the things that they sit on and the things that they feel with their hands, um, you know, the background of their pictures and birthday parties. And, you know, and that was what we wanted to be a part of. So, um, so we said, okay, we want to do interior design. We have no clients. We have no nothing. We have no like basis to start anything. How do we start? How do we go from nothing to a business? Like how do, what would that transition look like? How does that work? Um, And you know, one of my favorite comedians has this uh, little bit where he talks about, he thinks it's so funny that like he and his friends will be getting ready for to go out to the club. And they're like, dude, let's go get chicks, bro. Let's just go get chicks. And he's like, freaking like how do you just go get chicks like it's that easy like you just go out and get a chick like yeah Yeah, let's go get clients yeah let's go get get clients clients. (laughs) so I remember I mean we would we would laugh like laugh in in a little bit of hopeless fear (laughs) in that moment of like okay so let's just go get a client like we could go get chicks like how does that work (laughs) one thing I was gonna say too was um that it's scary too, I'm sure, going in business together because it's like we're, you know, for me, for example, right now, COVID's been really tough, but Dave's got this like corporate job. We know he's getting paid every two weeks. So I'm sure like not just are we going to get clients, but we're both like putting all our eggs in this basket, which is scary as well. It was very scary at the time. It really and was. How long? Okay, so you graduate, you're at the architecture firm. What, like how many years in do you guys have this like aha moment? Um, it was about four years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it kind of had been bubbling and building over time. Right. And finally it got to the point where we were like, enough of this. We want more. And we're going to take a stand for the life we choose to live. And we're going to go forward. I and um, yeah, I remember, you know, like, okay, we kind of just, you know, tossed it up to the universe and said like, all right, God, (laughs) if this is, you know, meant to be, then, then 
bring it yeah. <laughs> and we're in, you know? Yeah. Um, and this sounds so like cliche or whatever, but I'm not kidding. The very next day, we got a phone call from Ruben's old boss, who was an interior designer. She closed her firm in Miami, New York. Call from her, and she said, hey, um, I got a call for a project in Miami. I no longer do projects in Miami. Do you want it? You had when got some chicks. <laughs> we got a chick. Crazy. <laughs> I love that so much. I feel like that is not, like, I... I fully get it. I feel like it makes so much sense that that happened. I feel like you guys did this thing and you believed it at your core. And then the universe was like, here you go. So you know, this is the right thing. Oh my God. No, and, and that's been something that is on like a constant practice for me is like really co-creating with the energy of the universe that is moving always forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that like co-creation happens when you tap into your, tr like the trueness of your heart and you say yes and submit to, to how your heart leads you. Oh and God. I think when you're following how your heart is leading you towards the forward direction of the universe, there's no way to fail. I know. I've been sharing this with people. I, I think that this is, I think when the course that I did with you for the three days, I think that that was the, the thing that resonated for me the most because, it, and I think I said that, I don't know where, when I used to talk a lot and I don't know where, was it on a podcast? Was it to you in an email? I have no idea, but I, it's one thing that I really resonated with what you were doing and what you were kind of teaching us, the group of designers that was with you those um, three days, is that you're not here to tell us what the right way is, but it's, it's important for us to, and I know I'm guilty of it, and I feel like I recently talked to somebody, I actually I talked to somebody just I met through a B&I meeting, I don't know if you guys have B&I. Like, we do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um just some random man, like an older dude. And it was just, I felt like he was telling me the, his new business, he was thinking more about what he thought he could make work, but it was less about what at his core he wanted. Like even for me, when I started, I was like, I'm going to do an e-design business. And, and I thought, I was like, yeah, I want to be the affordable designer but with some soul searching, and because I had done a course at the time, I found out that I, I realized, I, I looked in, inside myself and I realized it was, it was me telling myself, I didn't think that I was worth more. And I'm not saying that I don't think e-design is worth anything. I'm, but for me and what I truly want, and that's not what I wanted. And I feel like that is such, such an important message right now to designers, new, old, uh, New old, God, no, I don't have a third one. <laughs> but like, Midway. I feel, yes, I feel <laughs> like we're listening, like we're listening to podcasts, we're listening to business coaches and they're telling us like, no, that's not the right way to do things. And what, what I really, like I took notes when I was during the course, just the things that I really liked about your approach. And it was, you know, never, even when we're giving feedback to somebody, not saying like, you shouldn't do it that way. But saying, in my experience, that hasn't worked. And I, you, I already, like, we've been talking for 10 minutes. I don't know, 20 I don't even know. And I already, like, I, you're so, you're so particular about your words. And, 
And I feel like, and I don't know if it's like innate in you or if it's like working with your own coaching, but it's so important for us to be receiving information and making sure that we're reviewing it and like through our lens and making sure what aligns for us and our confidence and our values and our this, and not just going, well, this guru, again, I don't want to throw out names, like says you need to do it like this. Well, it's wrong if I don't, because that's just not true. And I think that that's just a very, very important message that I took. And it was like giving me permission to let go of what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And then being able to just do exactly what you said, what makes sense for you, because it's going to be easier and you're not going to fail. And I mean, we're going to fail, but not fail, like in not being able to deliver what is true to us, at least. Yeah. I mean, that's something that has been one of the most transformational things in my life. You know, I mean, even the word fail, like there really is no fail. There are only lessons, you know? Um, And, and two things in response to that, Um, our brain understands and starts to believe the words that come out of our mouth. So it's interesting that we think that our brain generates thoughts we create the words and the words come out of our mouth and the words that come out of our mouth are tied to what we already know and believe. But what's interesting is that our brain is always learning. And so it is hearing what words come out of your mouth. And then, so if you say things like, um, I should do X, Y, Z, you're retelling your brain and your brain relearns that you should do this thing that you is not necessarily true. Um, so we call those stories. Yeah. And so by perpetuating these stories that are not necessarily true of the universe, like for example, um, okay, let me think of an example. Um, okay. I love the idea of money mindset stuff and you brought it up earlier, you know? Um, and it's one that I struggled with in the beginning. For example, a story I believed was you have to work hard for your money. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I'm that is, with you. <laughs> yeah. And that is actually not a truth of the universe. It's a story that people have been saying so often and so often and so often that we then repeat it and then tell our brains that it's the truth when actually, in fact, it's not true. You don't actually have to work hard for your money. And what I was going to say second in response to what you said was as far as not listening to the shoulds that everybody is telling you that you should be doing these things by not listening to that and tapping into your heart and tapping into um, the direction your heart is leading you in, then you're setting yourself up to step into your own power and you're setting yourself up to, um, to be on this, this journey of, of yes. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was, I like that you brought that up because I actually wrote that down um, to, to chat about. Like one of the things we talked about in the three days we spent time together was, um, you know, figuring out there's a lot of talk about pricing, right? You know, what should I be charging, right? Mm-hmm. And you gave a really good example. I'd love for you to share this example yourself, like why it's important for us not to be driven by what other people are charging versus what is right for us to stand in our power. And you used um, um, uh, Kelly Wurstler as an example of like, you know, why she could. So let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff you shared on that for everybody to try to connect with the fact that it's, sometimes I like it for a gut check, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, can the market bear this price? Or, you know, am I completely out of my mind? Like it's, it's gotta be right. And for example, 
Sometimes people say, you need to charge $500 for your consultation. No, you need to up your consultation. So that's not necessarily true. And I'd love it if you could help articulate the reason why finding the number for yourself and standing your power is so important. Yeah. And I'm so passionate about this subject. Um, and there's a couple of things. So one thing that I really like to do is shop and, and go to really, really high end stores. And I love, like I was in New York recently and went into Bergdorf Goodman and I love looking at the prices of things because in response to your, your, your statement about what can the market bear, the market can bear a lot. Right. <laughs> Walking into Bergdorf Goodman's, there is a literally a white t-shirt, a white cotton t-shirt for $650. Yeah. <laughs> so I love watching, you know, prices like that that just blow my mind, you know? I, I mean, I'm in Miami, so you know, we have a lot of high-end stores here, and I love seeing shoes that cost you know, $1,500 and, you know, a jacket that costs $23,000, you know, I love knowing that the like world we live in is so abundant that really there is no price that the market can't bear. Really there isn't. Mm-hmm. And so True, that's, yeah. yeah. So that's what we see like to, to say, for example, Kelly Wurstler, I don't know personally how much she charges, but I would imagine it's a lot. Um, you know, and then there, there are people just starting out that aren't charging as much. And so the, 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 the topic of pricing and how it, how it relates to what the market can bear is really actually irrelevant. Really knowing what is the best price to charge has only to do with how you can stand with confidence and without your hands shaking and tell that potential client, this is how much I charge. And there is a number for all of us that will feel empowering. And there is a number for all of us that will feel disempowering. Mm-hmm. And knowing where, where your comfort level is and, and tapping into, again, your, your heart energy and really tapping into like, can I charge, you know, $100,000 to design a living room? oh, I'm noticing that my, my heart is like beating a little fast. My stomach is upset. You know, I, okay, no, it's not feeling good for me to, to stand there and tell that person, I want $100,000 to design your living room. In, in contrast, if you stood in, you know, and said, I want to charge you $20 to design this living room. Oh, all of a sudden I feel in my stomach, like I can't support my son. If I'm yeah. charging $20, I can't afford his school. I wouldn't be able to pay for it. No. And then I get this like, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 I can't charge $20. Resentment so, builds. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Resentment builds. And see, that's the interesting thing. Pricing has so much to do with how your energy is with delivering that project. If you feel like your resentment of the people that you are billing, then you're not going to deliver with passion. Yes. And in contrast, if you are feeling like you're, you're drowning under the idea of delivering to, to meet a number that you said you would charge for the living room, you know, it's also equally going to be very difficult for you to deliver that project successfully with energy and, and enthusiasm because you're going to feel like you're never good enough. You're never as good as that number. Oh my God. I am just like loving this. I just feel like this is so refreshing to hear. I just don't think there's enough of this being talked about. And um, I'm just so excited to share it with everybody. I'm so excited. 
I just think like, and I, like I said, I've been connecting with this a lot and I just, you know, I, sometimes I get, I have guests on my podcast and this is when this started to really like fuel me. And, and I started to talk about, and I, in my own Facebook group, I started to say, um, asking people, it started to make me feel a certain type of way when people would post in a Facebook group, asking a question, and then people would start throwing a bunch of stuff at them that had nothing to do with what they were asking. And it was a little bit like diminishing in a sense. It was as if, you know, and they don't, first of all, number one, they don't know the whole story. They don't know this. They don't know that. And there's just a lot of, well, you shouldn't have done this. You could have done that. And, and that really gets my back up. And that really was. And then in addition to that, I was having guests on my podcast. And then I felt like they were getting, you know, people were responding wherever they were responding in a way as if it was like, well, that's not the way you do that. And I just was like, okay, you know, whether a business is more successful, like a business is a, is a business. Now there's businesses that might be more profitable. There's businesses that might be less profitable, but that doesn't make it any less of a business. And it doesn't mean it's not right or wrong for people. So I just, I really feel like it's important for people to start realizing that it, there's not a right or wrong way. So this is just, I think that's why also I connected so much. And I was just like, finally, and you <laughs> opened up, you talked a lot about this alignment. So it's not just about pricing. Like this is how you probably came to biographical design, right? Yes. So tell and us how you got, tell us about, tell everybody about biographical design. It's freaking awesome. And what, what got you there? How did you, you how many years were you like doing your thing like as your own business until this kind of all kind of opened up for, for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also you. want to know what it did for you guys. Like what oh. change it made in your business. Oh. I'm oh. excited to hear about it. Oh, there aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're, on, we're on quarantine, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got all night. Um, so do I. Um, so Ruben, you're on your own, buddy. Yeah, take care of the kid over there. <laughs> um, one thing I think is interesting that, that you brought up is, you know, when you were talking about people on your Facebook answering questions like, what's your question? I have the answer. You should do this. And what I think is interesting about people is that, have you ever noticed that um, we only cheer for the team that we're on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know totally. what I mean? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, you I'm only on team Katie right now. I'm cheering really hard. Oh, thank you, thank you, because I'm on team Michelle, so I appreciate <laughs> that. It's um, so true. Yeah, mm. because if you're not cheering for your own teams, then that means you're wrong and you're losing. I mean, yeah. it doesn't in my mind mean that, but I think that that's yeah. the mindset that people have. So, of course, they're going to answer questions other designers have with, here's what you should do, because they either know so much that they're right or if they don't have the answer, then they think that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is interesting is that, again, it goes back to the words that come out of our my, my mouth, tell our brain, you know, reinforce what our brain is thinking and teaches our brain that thing. Um, so what I have found to be true in my experience, for example, it comes up a lot in parenting. I'm a, I'm a mom. I have a five-year-old son. And a lot of the times when I share with friends of mine, um, you know, oh, I'm having such a difficult time getting my son to do homework. The minute someone says to me, you know what you should do? Set a timer and have your kid do the homework with a timer. It's like, what? 
you know, my kid hates timers and having that time pressure, time in particular for my son is the worst possible thing and the worst pressure and it just sets him off and he shuts off and it's the worst. So how can you tell me I should have a timer for doing homework? It just doesn't make any sense. So what I've learned is it doesn't work for me to hear I should do something without that person asking questions first. Mm -hmm. So if I say to my friend, oh, I'm really struggling with my son and homework. What I hope to hear from that person is, what have you tried? Yeah. Have you seen anything that has worked? What have you seen that is, you know, the worst thing that for him, you know? And when that person asks me a series of questions, then I start to build trust for that person. Then when they say, you know what you could do, what you could try is, you know, Skittles, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and when that person then after discovery questions and asking then says something um, advice like, I'm so much more receptive to what that person has to say. Yeah. Here's how that relates to um, the, my biographical design method. What I found was that when I was coming to clients' homes and I would walk into their house and say, you know what you should do? You should paint these walls, you know, blue. I found that I was doing exactly to the client what my mom friends were doing to me with my son. My God. And I realized that there was such a misalignment with the clients and the design when I would say, here's what you should do and show them the design and then start implementing that design that it kind of was always left flat for the client Mm -hmm. because it wasn't a discovery with them. It wasn't a question, questions asking discovery period to discover what would be best for them. And what I found was that when I would do the discovery, um, asking a bunch of questions, and we have like this two-hour discovery meeting, which I still do to this day, um, I found that they were so deeply enrolled into the design that it could do no wrong. And that along the way in the design process, we knew exactly where, you know, the, the overall design concept, we knew exactly what that vision North star was for the project. Then if I came in and said, I saw this, you know, amazing red chair in a flea market, you know, then they would say like, whatever you think we know, we know, we trust, we totally trust whatever. And then I could just bring in that proverbial red chair. Mm -hmm. So that led us to uh, an awareness we like to be treated, how we see our clients really like to be treated, and the success of the project at the end and the process of getting there was so strong and so enriching both for us and for them that after so many years of doing this, we realized, you know, we have a system here. Like we started to craft and systemize the way that we can ensure that we deliver on a client's, um, you know, on that discovery question answering thing. How can we ensure we deliver on those questions? Well, we created a system that we call biographical design and we call it biographical design because it's a design philosophy wherein we design a home based around a person's biography. And we have a five point spirit system. So spirit is an acronym For example, S is space use, um, P is people, um, 
so, so spirit is an acronym that is uncovers five things about a person's biography that we know that if we can tap into those five things and design a project based on those five things, we cannot fail in delivering a project that they will love, feel deeply connected to, and most importantly, feel like they belong there. Mm-hmm. And when a client feels like they belong in that space, belonging is one of the most basic fundamental human needs that is the most often overlooked and the most often neglected in, in our culture today. So when a client can feel like they belong in their space, I mean, you, you've, you've created a, a client for life. Yeah. I mean, they, they're so deeply connected to you because, me, because I created that sense of belonging for them. I I love that so much. And while you were talking, you were talking about, um, I don't remember what it, how I got here, but I had an aha for myself, which was, oh, it was when you were saying, um, I don't receive information uh, the way that you, like, you should do this or whatever, which I totally agree, which I think it's, again, this actually goes back to some people can receive information like that, which is totally fine. And actually, some people really can. Like, I feel like, you know, I just, certain things are abrasive to me and certain things are not abrasive to others. And I think it's all about- Well, it works at the doctor, right? It works at the doctor. You go to the doctor and you're like, "Uh, my eye's pink. And they said, you know what you should do? Use pink eye drops. (laughs) You just go do it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But um, I think it made me realize something like in this moment, which is I know how I need to make a decision. So this is kind of unrelated, but sort of related. Like, I feel like when I'm working with a client, I'm the type of person who I want to give them, you know, I put together a budget that so they understand because I want to go in and say, this is what it's going to cost. Like, I want you to understand what it might cost at the end. But then other designers, they're just like, my hourly fee is X and they have no problems getting it through, right? And I think what I just realized in this moment is that I can't make decisions that way. So it's hard for me to deliver information to somebody else and feel good about them being able to move forward because that is a million percent not how I'm able to make decisions. I require a lot of information to make big like decisions like that in my life. So this was just like an, an aha in this very second, which again, I think is is just helping me under like understand like why I'm going to deliver information a certain way that might be different than the way another designer wants to deliver it. And that is okay. Because if I deliver in a way that makes sense for me, I'm going to do a better job of probably closing the sale. Yes. And speaking of sales, one thing that I think is like something imperative that designers um, be aware of is that we are first and foremost salespeople. And so in sales, this, all of this that we're talking about is imperative mm-hmm. because as salespeople, we are trying to get this potential client to hire us. So that means that we're trying to get them to know, like, and trust us. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. In order to get them to know, like, and trust us, ask questions. Asking questions of that person because that, that, then that person knows um, that you're interested in them, that you're there for them, and most importantly, that you see them. And if people feel seen 
they're more likely to trust you and they're more likely to spend more money with you. Mm-hmm. I'll just insert in this moment that um, I created a video for your listeners, particularly around sales. And it's the five biggest mistakes that interior designers make in sales. So um, I will say you took us through your sales process and how like the seven steps or six steps. Okay. Don't retain information the greatest, but uh, it was amazing. And I'm, I'm actually excited to put it into use, but um, okay. So the five mistakes designers make. Yeah. So I created a 15 minute video of five mistakes designers make most often so that it can support you in this, in this awareness of everything that we've been talking about as it relates to sales. I love it. And what's, is there a URL? How does, how do they get that? Yeah. You can go to, um, biographicaldesign.com forward slash download. Easy breezy peeps. Easy breezy. (laughs) Um, when you guys then created the biographical design, well, number one, how many years in did that kind of turn into what it was? So um, we first started out um, with sort of zero business coaching. Yeah. And we were kind of like navigating, you know, through this interior design business world kind of clumsily. And we were bumping up against the edges as we were trying to move forward. Um, and we had an aha moment when we hired a business coach and that business coach, um, you know, one of the things that, that she says is you can't see the label of the jar that you're in. And so that, that like made me realize, um, you know, that in business, often we have blind spots to the way that we're operating in business. It's kind of like if you explain somebody how to drive a car, in, in a way, you kind of can't because yeah. after you drive a car for so long, it becomes so, it becomes so intuitive that you yeah. don't know, like, I don't know, actually, which way do you, if you're I reversing, know. which way do you turn the, the steering wheel if you're reversing? Yeah. Or I don't know. Like, I got to give someone my pin, like Dave, like my, my bank card pin. I'm like, uh, like, cause I, I go and I just do it and then right. I'm asked and I'm like, uh, well, hold on. Right. It's I have like, to, like oh, be in the moment and I can't get it. <laughs> It's the upper left hand number yeah. and then the middle number. Yeah. What is it? So it's one five. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. It's that's so true. So that's what the same thing that happens in our business. And often the way that we start in business is the way that we continue to operate over long time, you know, long-term periods of time in business. So the way that we start is often the way that we continue to operate. And so I had that awareness when we hired our business coach who was like, oh my gosh, you have a system here. And so she's the one that helped us see that we were doing something different in, in the industry because we, we didn't know. We just didn't, it was so innate and so yeah. you know, like just our natural MO that we didn't know that we had something there. And so it was through the business coaching that really we had this um, crafting of what we were doing in a way that we could call it a system, that we could have um, an infographic about it, (laughs) you know, and talk about it in a way that is, you know, um, valuable to people. And as opposed to saying, um, we we design uh, projects, um, you know, first we ask a lot of questions and then we dive into. That's probably what I say. You know, like it's a less, it's not as strong being able to say, I have a biographical design system. Plus, I feel like I have to assume that 
it got you excited to talk about it too. It like turned that experience of selling into one where you were like, we're awesome. This is actually really cool. And I feel like I can deliver this in a way that I'm excited about and obviously makes them excited. So it's like, really, like I'm at this point right now where I'm starting to do it, you know, this aha that you had and I'm starting to form it. I'm very excited. And it's totally reshifting how I feel about the idea of a sales meeting and a consultation, you know? Yes. Yes. And also, I'm like, well, once I kind of iron this out, I feel like I got a story I can approach for press. And whereas before I'd be like, oh, here's a really, like I did this Airbnb. It was really cool. But uh, it's just, and also like just services that are like, I'm, I'm just like ideas are coming. It just, I think that's what helps me realize I'm so in alignment with it. So when you, okay, you, you start doing the biographical design, how, what do you see in your business change? What changes for you guys? Once that oh starts God. to kind of iron itself out. I could talk about that in particular forever and ever and ever and ever. But there's two things that I want to point out that you said. Um, the first one is um, about, you know, having a system and as that relates to sales meetings. And what happened when we had a system that we felt was powerful and we were excited about, you know what happened? Our prices increased. Mm. Because I was stand in my power of a higher price and my stomach felt good at that higher price. My heart felt good at that higher price and my mind felt higher price. So I charged more. And so to this day I charge more because I have a system. Yeah. And then to, to, um, respond to what you were saying about like getting press. It's one thing to, let's say email, um, a publisher or a reporter and send them a picture of a project that you did. Now that picture, let's say it has blue walls and a red sofa, just for easy conversation. Um, They're gonna receive that picture of blue walls and a red sofa in their inbox. And it's either going to visually look good with everything else that they have planned for that magazine that day, or it's not. And if it's not, goodbye. Yeah. However, if you send them that picture or you don't even send a picture, and you have an incredible subject line, an incredible text of the email that says, you know, this project was designed around this person's biography. And in their biography, there were the, the remaining victim of a terrorist attack. This is a story of, the, of my own project. That, mm-hmm. So this is a true story. Um, you know, the, uh, my client was the sole survivor of a terrorist bombing. And... Um, and so we designed this dark blue kitchen for him so that he could feel safety because there's a connection with feeling safe and, and depth of color. Mm -hmm. So we created this safety kitchen for a sole survivor of a bombing, which story is going to make it, you know, which story is going to be written about, which story does a reporter want to write about? Here's oh a pretty picture of the living room or here's this incredible story about this biography of this person and how the kitchen and the biography and the person and the soul survive. Like, it's like another layer. I didn't even realize that. I mean, should people be doing the getting to really know their clients, which is like what I was doing not as effectively and I'm going to start doing it more effectively and in a more aligned with my personality kind of way. Um, you're by default, 
creating the story of the interior that you can then, that is such an amazing additional benefit. That's like the icing on the cake. Because a lot of the time, um, this might, okay, in my experience, I can't say that this is always true because I, you know, I'm working and getting better at really getting to know my clients and all this, but it's always like, oh my, okay, I'm going to try to come up with an angle for this room that's now done. Like, what's the story with this room? And you're trying to like fake the story a little bit. And once again, when you're not feeling the true emotion of that fake story that you came up with for said interior it's going to fall flat. How are you going to deliver that story with emotion and passion? Yeah. You're, you're, I mean, you're less likely. I'm not saying you're not going yeah. to, not you, but one is not yeah. necessarily not going to. Um, it's just less likely. Slash, I know myself, I need to, at my core, believe something and feel so in alignment with it in order to be able to be successful at selling it. Absolutely. And, and that's a, human, a basic human function thing. You know, you, you don't, not you, one, people, humans, don't take action without first an emotion. Mm-hmm. It, it's a truth of the universe. You don't take action without emotion. And so that's true in sales. So that's true when you have your sales hat on and you're selling. And that's true with the buyer. They're not going to take action unless they have emotion. So if you can't conjure up an emotion in them to take action to buy with you, then you will be less likely to, um, to land that sale. Mm-hmm. And I am, I am known in my business uh, circle, I am known for the highest closing rate of, of anyone. And it's- I believe it. I, I honestly feel like you must be, the, like I just, you're really, really good. And- Okay. And in all honesty, do you feel like this is completely learned or do you think there is a little bit of like, this is something, well, okay, let's talk about wealth dynamics. I think this is a wealth dynamic thing. Another amazing thing I've never heard of before my weekend or my, the three days that we spent, talk to people about wealth dynamics. And I think that this is one of your character traits from, from this thing, which probably lends itself to you being pretty good at sales, but what is wealth dynamics, Katie? <laughs> um, <It's> Mind blowing. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, okay, my uh, wealth dynamics is um, a personality test that is exactly um, it's pieces of your personality that are able to build wealth for you. So if you can tap into that part of your personality, you'll be able to build wealth more easily because you'll be more aligned with what you're already good at. And therefore, if you're aligned with what you're good at, and this is what we've been talking about, if you're aligned with the direction that your heart wants to go in, then you're more likely to build wealth for yourself. So it's something that I um, am dedicated to every designer that comes through our course and that joins our men. I'm dedicated to making sure they have an awareness around their wealth dynamic because how your mind operates and how your brain is sort of wired is a really important thing to understand. For example, this is a um, not a wealth dynamic in particular, but I think it's a good example. If you're a super outgoing person, it's going to be more easy for you to go to networking events. You're going to be, you're going to shine brighter at a networking event. 
if you're a super inward shy person, a networking event where you have to go like be a star in a room might not be the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, emailing people would be better. Maybe sending handwritten letters or maybe creating, um, you know, an online, you know, sort of networking platform would be better, you know, those kinds of things. So knowing what your, how your brain is naturally wired and operating within how it, it naturally wants to work is going to let you shine so much brighter in the world. And when you shine brighter, and I don't mean um, outward outward shining, like you don't have to be a, you know, a star. Like, yeah, look <laughs> at me kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, that's not what I mean. Um, but what I mean is that you, you are um, just performing at your top. And so what I see so often with interior designers is that they they're under this like umbrella of should I should do this. I should have a YouTube channel. I Mm -hmm. should be, you know, doing uh, virtual design. I should be offering this. I should charge this much without first saying like, what's my personality type as it relates to wealth building. And if you can align with the personality wealth building personality type that you are, you are going to be so set up for a greased runway and so set up to be operating at your optimum level that you then can't fail at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think you also talked about, oh, this was a good example. And I went through it and now I I couldn't figure out how to find like, there's additional, once you do the test, you can then, there's an app on your phone, you can go in and like do additional learning. And one of the ones he talked about was the, was the goldfish. So share that example with, with people like the goldfish trying to run. It's kind of like, you know, this is another reason why it's so important for us to, you know, when you're taking in information from, from people, gurus, coaches, other designers, me, whoever, like it's, this is why it's so important that you find the right person giving you the support and help that makes sense for you. Otherwise, if you're a mechanic, I don't know, not a good, I, I'm a mechanic. That doesn't make sense to anybody who hasn't done it yet. But, but if you're being given a, a system to execute that doesn't align with your wealth dynamic, you're always going to be like fighting it and it's not going to be successful for you. Oh my gosh. And, um, and in the, the download that I am giving to yep. your listeners, I have, um, I, I tell the full story of, of an example of when that happened in my life. And that kind of gave me that aha moment. And I know, Michelle, you've already heard the story. Oh, first of all, I wanted to say to, cause you asked me a question before that I didn't answer. And in short, I totally believe that all of my success is learned. Yeah. I mean, I have a heart to like dive into things and give things my all. Yep. And I'm giving my all to something I've learned. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that this is something that can be learned. I think Michelle, you, you have experienced that too. You know, there's a lot of things that we're, you know, we're learning that, you know, we talked about in the three day weekend that, that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wholeheartedly believe that this can be learned because that's how it has been for me. I've learned all of this. Um, and even JFK is, is famous for saying we're only as good as what we've been taught. Mm. And so once I heard that, I had this like, aha moment where it was like, well, then I need to be taught. Yeah. Like I really want to be taught a lot. I really want to learn a lot because I really want to be great. Yeah. So that dedication to learning 
for me is the biggest part of how, I mean, the, uh, what I attribute success to mm-hmm. how, how I define success. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I feel like there, you were going to say something and maybe I cut you off. Oh yeah. So I cut myself off. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So where, where it, it sort of was highlighted to me about working within your, your sort of brain's natural wiring and not, um, is, is not my brain's natural wiring to be numbers and spreadsheets and calendars, numbers, spreadsheets, calendars, not how my brain was wired for. Um, my brain was more wired for connectivity. My wealth dynamic is what's called supporter, um, and deal maker and star. Those are my wealth dynamics. So, and they're, they're kind of self-explanatory in their name, so I won't go yeah. into it. Um, we but, don't want to spoiler them. They need to go, go, go read up on it. Go, yeah. Yeah. Go look, go look into it for yourself. Yeah. That's the most Get your mind blown on your own time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what I found was that in my, one of my first projects ever, I met with a client, uh, a potential client, and I said, um, I said, oh, I'm going to be really good at the project management part of this um, project, and I'm going to deliver spreadsheets and calendars and budget information and tallies and, you know, budget spreadsheets, whatever, so that you're, like, always, like, well-informed of the project process, whatever. And, um, And so fast forward to the end of that project, and because of everything we've been talking about, you know that I wasn't delivering on that with grace and ease and excellence and energy. I wasn't because I hated it. I hate that part. I still yeah. to this day hate that part and have someone in my office who takes care of all that for me. Yeah. So it can be delivered with excellence, but not by me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so as you can imagine, delivering on something you hate, I wasn't delivering it with excellence. Yes. So because I pre-framed our relationship to tell her to expect excellence in project management, during project management, when I wasn't delivering with energy and grace and ease and loveliness, she then therefore thought I was quote unquote bad at what I did. Yeah. And this is the analogy you were, you were talking about before, Michelle, when you were talking about the fish. If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you will always, and it will always think it's stupid. And that's what was happening for me in that project. She was judging me by my ability to climb a tree, but I'm not a tree climber. I'm a fish. (laughs) So at the end of that project, um, still to this day, the last interaction I had with her was she was screaming on the phone with me. And she, um, she said, you know, you're just stupid and hung up the phone on me. And, you know, at the time I, I was like, am I stupid? You know, what, you know, is this not a right job for me? You know, is this, you know, I went through all this emotional and thought process and all this stuff. And, um, you know, and, and I let that sit for, for, you know, a while, maybe a year and just kind of like, okay, that happened. And I'm still tapping into the lesson there. And I don't know it yet, but I know there is one. And I know it's not that I'm stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so what I learned from that, and, and you'll hear the rest of that story in the, in the 15 minute video download for your listeners. Um, but what I learned in that was that, oh, I was not operating inside of how my brain is really well wired to operate. 
So I was like up against myself. I was always delivering what I hated to do and what I wasn't naturally good at and being up always against something didn't Mm -hmm. feel good, didn't allow me to deliver with excellence. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I I teach in my three-day course and I will continue to bring into the culture of, um, of the designers in my mentorship program is this, like, how is your brain wired? What are you naturally good at? What are your natural abilities? And let's tap into that and deliver on only those things. Yeah. And when you're delivering on only those things that you're naturally good at, it's going to be easy for you, graceful for you, energizing for you. And when it's graceful and easy and energizing and you love it, there's no way to not deliver with excellence. Mm-hmm. I just love it so much. I can't even, it's so weird. I feel like since, um, I don't even know, I, I feel like the universe has kept sending me these like nuggets. I've had conversations with other designers as well on, on the pod. And I felt like between those conversations and then this three days with you and this alignment piece of the stop with the shoulds, and really just, it's like it was, it, it's like it gave me permission to realize like, oh, okay, I, I don't have to do it that way. Where like, I was feeling almost like guilt, like, oh, they say like, you have to do it this way. This is what the, you know, I heard from like this person and like, they're huge. So like, why wouldn't I? Right. But it, it kind of like liberated me in a sense, right? And, and re-energized me, to be honest. Like, I feel like, let's freaking do this kind of thing. Um, what else, Kay? Is there anything else you want to share with everybody before you tell them where they can find you, your course, follow you, all of these things? <laughs> and by the way, everybody, I'm meeting, um, I'm meeting Katie and Ruben, your husband, and I assume he's going to be there tomorrow too, who is also equally as amazing. He, what I really liked about Ruben, by the way, is Maybe this is weird, but I really enjoyed that he took a back seat and like really let you do your thing. And he came in with like amazing, like, you know, he came in when, it, you know, when he needed to. And he, and I know like he's probably a wealth of knowledge in his own right and whatever, but he, he really like, I just, I, felt this like I let this is Katie and I she's amazing and I let her shine and do this thing that she's doing right now and I'm so glad that you said that and this is it, it it's allowing me to say something really important too okay knowing my so the reason why Ruben is able to sit back and let me be a star in that moment is because he knows my wealth dynamic is star Mm-hmm. He knows that I'm operating at my optimum when I'm in star supporter mode. When I'm in a, as operating as a star, so I'm like in front of the camera, and I am in support of others, is where I am. Like my heart is biggest, my mind is biggest. The the you know unit is most expansive for me, and he knows that about me. So, and I know about him his wealth dynamics. So I would not push him to be in front on the camera because he's not a star supporter. He's mm-hmm. a creator. And so as a creator, he, he is a big vision, big picture thinker. So actually this um, course, this three-day course that I offer and the mentorship um, program is part of his picture vision of what he wants to create. 
What so what's actually happening? Yeah, it's thanks, <laughs> and it's it's taken um, it's taken this like really getting to know ourselves so that we understand each other, so that we can orbit in a way that is best supportive of each other and is both enriching to to each of us. So that's the beauty of of alignment. Is it not only affects the business. For me, it affects my marriage in an incredible way. It affects me, my relationship with my son in an incredible way so that I can uplift him and support him. I don't actually tell my son he should do something. I help him discover that answer on his own by saying, what do you think in this moment would make you most joyful? You know, mm-hmm. is, it, is saying mean things to mommy right now making you feel joyful? Instead of saying, you shouldn't say those things to me. Yeah. And so it's this like alignment, which I, in my business call biographical design. I do it for my clients, the idea of biographical designing and biographical is like your biography, what makes you, you, and I'm designing your house around that way. And I design my business that way so that my business is also biographically designed. And that is my philosophy of how I coach other interior designers. I want to create for them a biographically designed business so that their business is fundamentally designed on who they are, what their biography is, who they are as a, as a personality type, you know, what makes them function, what makes them sing, what makes them energized. And let's build a business based on that. So if you can have a biographically designed home, I believe you can have a biographically designed business, a biographically designed life, marriage, mother, parent. I believe wholeheartedly that the biographical design approach to life as a whole is, in my, in my experience, the best way to help your universe be expansive, your heart to sing, and your most joyous self to emerge. I feel so pumped that I I don't know okay I'm gonna I don't want this to sound offensive I don't think it is but I just I don't know how many people know about your program but I feel really fucking excited that I get to share it with the people who listen to my podcast the people in my Facebook group because I think it's awesome like, I fucking mean it so much. Like, I'm going to swear a lot about it. I want to cry. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. I feel like you're going to blow up. You're going to blow up for designers, I feel like. And I think you should start your own podcast. I think, <laughs> if it's an alignment for you. But no, um, I'm like, on top of the world, I feel like, Right now, I'm selfishly so excited that I get to, which was really Crispin who shared it with me, but now I'm sharing it uh, with, with every, I'm just so excited for people to, I really hope people go watch the video, guys. There's just something about the way you, and I hope people see this, anytime I'm saying something, you, res- I find that there's so many times sometimes we can talk to people and like, there's the predictable answer. You know what I mean? Where, you know, that like, I've listened to enough designers. I, I've interviewed like over 70 now and I listen to podcasts and I'm like, I think, you know, I'm pretty hungry for information. I I've listened to a lot, listen to business podcasts. Like 
I mean, I don't go crazy reading like a, like I, I'm not like so like informed, but I find it rare to hear something said differently or something I, you know, hadn't even thought of or like heard before. And I feel like there, there's so much of that happening when I talk to you. And not only that, your awareness of and your how perceptive you are to language. And even when I feel like I'm somewhat aware of like, like not you know, saying something in a way that's like a negative bias or a, a confirmation bias or what I believe to be, like you say, the truth of the universe and your ability to really help people notice that. And, and I'm becoming much more aware of my words, which I have to assume is really hard for you to live like that when you're surrounded, because a lot of people talk that way. Is it hard? <laughs> do you have to catch yourself sometimes and say like, I'm not going to be that guy or, or like, do you have, cause like I find it's everywhere where you're like, I notice it. And I know apparently I'm still doing it, even though I notice, and I'm like, I, I can't like with that attitude, like, you know what I mean? Like just such a, it must be hard. <laughs> Curse. But also, well, yeah, I, I do. I do know that, you know, I, I'm on a journey, everybody is on a journey and wherever someone is with their, you know, awareness of language or, you know, stories that they're telling and things yeah. like that, it's, they're on their journey and, yeah. and I love their journey because it's perfect for them. And, um, I find that where I just have to jump in and say something is when there's something that really rubs me personally in a particular way that I really, I feel like standing up for, for, the truth, you know, like, mm -hmm. for example, parenting is a big one for me, you know, when people say like, oh, you can't travel with kids, you know, things like, oh, something uh, about kids, I feel like that's not true for me. Mm -hmm. And that's where I leave it. Yeah, that's, that's not true for me. Yeah. I love traveling with my kid. Well, and it's funny, because what I've also learned on my journey, and I'm going to continue learning, and I'm excited to kind of, but Often when you say you can't something like, what is, what is it that Yoda saying? Well, I can't remember it right now, but when you say but you can't do something, you're, you're not, you're right. You can't. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. Exactly. So I, I really want to work on that for myself. And I want, I'm hoping like, I would love to be able to be able to have like this platform to help other people start to think about the words we're using and our alignment. So I think that's a perfect way to end this. So tell everybody where they can actually go find you and follow you. Thank you. I would love to be in um, community with your listeners because I am, I think, you know, like super obsessed with you and I think oh, you're great you know, and what you do is amazing. And I never get nervous doing this. And I was <laughs> a little nervous. I was like, I'm going to be creepy. Like, even I was just like, I don't want to be a weirdo. I don't want to freak this girl. <laughs> Not possible. Why? I was though. And that never happens, like ever. Okay, well, I'm giving you permission in this moment and for the rest of the moments in the future. You don't have to be nervous. I love it. We can gush about it all okay. day. It'd be so fun. We can snuggle on the sofa and bring each other care. <laughs> the virtual sofa. <laughs> Oh my God. No, I, yeah, the feeling is definitely mutual. I like, I really feel like the universe brought you to me. I might have to cut that. That's too creepy. Anyway, <laughs> tell everybody where they can follow you. 
<laughs> it's not creepy, but um, <laughs> yeah. So our website um, is biographicaldesign.com. And um, you can find us also on Facebook. I would love it if you would, um, you, the listeners, download the 15-minute five biggest mistakes interior designers make in sales. I would love it if you would download that video so that I can support you in this moment. Um, So that's biographicaldesign.com forward slash download. Super easy. Um, And it'll be readily available in 15 minutes. I hope it's fun. (laughs) I'm sure it will be. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go do it right now. (laughs) awesome all right yeah so and for anybody that does reach out to us I would love to know that you um heard about me us through um Michelle's podcast it would be really enriching to my heart to know that we connected in that way so let me know let me know that I love it and um another thing I want to tell people is go check out their website as well Arez resdesign.com, right? Yeah. That's it, um, yeah. Because what I really like about your website too is this this was something I was sharing in my Facebook group was in, and I'm going to wrap up, I promise, but you shared a story about how early you were looking at, it. you know, we do the comparison game and I was like I have to lurk a certain way. I have to sit in this chair in my picture a certain way. You know, that's what it is. And I feel like I I was I feel like I've been given permission to bring the humorous, you know, like just because I have a humorous side doesn't take away from the fact that I can still create beautiful things, which for some reason I felt like in my head, those were in conflict with each other. But now I'm kind of like, no, what's amazing about that is it's not as common. I mean, I, in my experience, I don't really, I don't see that very often when I go look at other designers' websites. So that actually gives me an advantage and it might, and it will help me stand out. So go check out their website because it's full of humor. It's totally like full of your personality and I love it. And it kind of gave me the like, okay, yeah, I can still build a really successful business and be fun. Yeah, you can. 10 second story, promise. Oh, I don't Um, care how long it is. I'm more worried about your time, not my time. <laughs> One of my dear friends who's in my business coaching um, circle, she's a burlesque dancer on the side, but she has a business wherein she coaches um, non, non, not for profit companies. And so she's woven the two wherein she does burlesque dancing as her platform for non for profit business coaching. Oh my so the God. market can bear whatever your foundation is, whatever your story is, whatever your personality is, the market can bear it and will appreciate you more for it and love you and be totally connected with you. And there's people, there's, there's definitely a tribe for all of us. I love it. Thank you so much, Katie. Maybe we do a round two of this. If you're up for it, we can talk about something else, but I'm so excited for tomorrow. What I think I started to say, where I'm meeting with you and the other designers tomorrow for two-hour sesh. Mastermind. Excited to share some of the stuff that I've been working on, and I'm pumped. So, I'm pumped. yeah, have fun tonight. You've got some stuff to do. So, thank you so much. I'll talk thank to you, you soon. Michelle. This is amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. obsessed, literally obsessed. I just, that whole conversation, listening to it again, brought such joy to my heart. 
so yeah, if you want to learn more about, well, first of all, if you want to download the five sales mistakes video, you're going to go to biographicaldesign.com slash download. I downloaded it, like I said, right after I list or after I chatted with her and it was great, which I obviously expected. Also, I, I do encourage you to check out her blog and read some of the content there. It does talk about some of the things we talked about in the course. And yeah, if you check her out, I am, like I said, I am an affiliate. I want to be very open and honest about that. And but like I said before, you know that well, I think it was pretty clear. I'm obsessed. I think she's amazing. I've had an incredible breakthrough as far as working through my own differentiator which I'm excited to share with you when I get, when I feel like it's something that's going to hit my website, I'm obviously going to share it with you. So stand by. I'm excited. I did have my first cons- uh, sales call discovery call today where I actually implemented some of the, some of my, like how I work, my differentiating factor that helped me feel a little more confident in how to deliver it. That being said, I did notice how I can tighten it up a little bit. One another thing I realized here's another thing I realized spending a longer time with somebody to help them really buy into your vision, at least that's what I'm feeling right now in my experience, can really help buy somebody in. So, normally I get a little impatient with regards to discovery calls, I don't want to be on a call that long because I know a lot of people don't believe this, but I'm I'm an introvert, I'm not. I'm not super excited about like, I like, I'm a doer. I like to get stuff done. But what I realized today was, you know what? Take the time it takes to talk to somebody and give them the answers that they need and really feel, help them feel like you are listening to them. And one of the things Katie did say, she might've said it on this podcast or maybe it was in a, our mastermind last week that clients, apparently clients are more likely, there's some statistic, I don't know where, I can't remember where she read this, that Clients are more likely to buy from you if you've asked them 11 or more questions. And so I think it just all kind of plays into the no like trust factor where, you know, if they feel like you've heard them and really care about what they want and need, then they might be more likely to buy. So I definitely incorporated that today on my call. Still needs some work, but what's the beautiful thing about that is you can really only improve something if you action it. So me trying to get it perfect before accepting a sales call was really not the most effective way for me to do that. But having the call, seeing where I need to improve, seeing how I need to kind of reword things in a way that feels like easy for me to communicate and feels really good and clear is really, really important. So I feel even if that didn't didn't turn, I know she actively told me she was talking to other designers, which I actually encourage. I think it's important to find the right person for you. So have at her. If I'm the right fit, then it's going to happen. And if I'm not the right fit, then it's clearly not going to happen. But um, but I'm excited that I'm like one step closer to nailing how I can communicate why they would pick me. So there you go. Guys, I'm not going to read a review. I don't have any reviews to read. I don't have any new reviews and my heart is sad. So this is me asking you to post a review. Give me five stars if you think I deserve it, of course, and just share anything at all. And I'm going to read it for everybody listening 
to, to hear whatever it is you have to say and add your Instagram handle and I will shout it out as well. So if you add your Instagram handle, I can tag you when I post this on social media and I can tell people to go find you. So please do that. Uh, if you want to follow along my journey a little deeper, you can go to Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett on, in Facebook. It's a closed group. You do need to answer the questions before I let you in. I need to make sure you're a designer uh, before I let you in because I just feel like it's a sacred place, a safe space. I don't want people trying to sell us on things. It's I want us to feel very open um, with all of that. So there you go. Uh, I think that's it. That's all I got. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.